Welcome to St. Luke's Church. If you're part of the baptismal group passing through, didn't know that it was still a church, seeking, wherever you find yourself on your spiritual pilgrimage, you are welcome here. We're glad that you're here. This is All Saints Day. Every year we're permitted to transfer the Feast of All Saints, which occurs on November the 1st, to the nearest Sunday. And the nice thing this year is that we're actually celebrating All Saints Day on All Saints Day. So it's a nice thing to do. And as I was thinking about my sermon this week, I thought uh, there are some questions that occurred to me, and I hope from time to time may occur to you. What does it mean to be a saint? How do you get to be a saint? Why should you want to be a saint? Why does the church make such a big deal about the saints? What saints are we commemorating on All Saints Day? And how can I understand the importance of sanctity in my own life? So let me say a little about this uh, Church History 101. How did we get something called All Saints Day and where did the saints come from in the church's life? The origin of the communion of saints is in the commemoration of the early martyrs of the Christian faith. So the first saints were those who gave their life for their belief in the mighty works of Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God, that in some way the world had been irrevocably changed by his presence in it, and that we as followers of him would pay any price in order to proclaim that great and powerful truth. But as time went on, local communities began to think to themselves and experience people's lives within their own communities of special sanctity. They said, you know, even though they haven't given their lives for their faith, in some ways they have shown us what being a transparency and reflection of God's grace and love means. We have seen something in them both of the presence and the power of God at work in the lives of people, and we have also seen in them what it means to be the best human being that you can be. Remember, Christian anthropology says that you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. And so by virtue of that, somehow we have some understanding of the relationship between humanity and divinity. And we believe, of course, that Jesus manifests and embodies in himself both. And by extension, we understand him to be the template that we lay over our own spiritual life and maturity. So people began to say, these are people we want to commemorate on a regular basis. I'm making this point because the origin of the communion of saints is local. It isn't institutionalized. The Episcopal Church for many years, the Anglican communion, has not had a process for making saints. You don't have to go through a lot of bureaucratic nip-ups to get to be a saint. 
And for the first 1,000 or 1,200 years in the whole of Western Christianity, you didn't have to do that either. So just this year, for example, at the General Convention of the Episcopal Church, we have revised a book we call Lesser Feasts and Fasts, which has the saints' days that aren't in the prayer book. And we have recognized many new people, and we have changed the title. We call it Holy Women and Holy Men. Think what you may about that, but it reinforces the idea of the local nature of the communion of saints. And it also affirms the fact that all of us are called to sanctity. We're called to be part of the communion of saints. So that is the origin of the communion of saints. Why would you want to be a saint? I don't know. You know, sometimes when I was a kid, all of the people that I knew in my family and others who were referred to as saints were people whose lives I didn't consider particularly worth copying. <laughs> you know, it's usually some overfunctioner in the family who wears themselves out, and we think they're a saint. Right? They're dead, and we think they're a saint. <laughs> so in some ways, that can't be what we mean when we speak about sanctity. You know? Oh, Phyllis Ludlow, she was just a saint. I can remember that kind of stuff endlessly, you know? But in some ways, I've been a pastor for a while, and what you discover is that most of us yearn to understand how to live a life congruent with God's purposes. And we want to do it not just because we want to achieve some perfection, but we want to in some way be able to rise and meet the challenges and the opportunities that are in front of us on a daily basis. We want to be able to say to ourselves, you know, in some way I feel centered. In some way, even if it's for a nanosecond, I realize that I'm part of God's plan for the cosmos, that my own personal history is part of the history of salvation, and that when I connect myself to the promises of God through the Church of God, I become part of something bigger than myself and able now to labor on a daily basis, even in the small things that I do, to create a society where it is easier for people to be good. That this is something I would like to do, you know? Maybe not to be particularly heroic, but to be able to do that in some way. And so the church over time has recognized some people that uh, are important in that regard. But you know, on All Saints Day, you're who, who gets recognized. And all the people that we know and hold clo close to our hearts and up to God who've died and are with God now, and that we maybe only remember, they're the saints that we commemorate. There's a preface in the prayer book, which is the fancy term for the words the priest either says or sings before we all say holy, holy, holy at the Mass. And the preface for the commemoration of the dead says, But to your faithful people, O Lord, life is changed, not ended. And when our mortal body lies in death, there is awaiting us a dwelling place eternal in the heavens. It's the Christian hope. And you and I say, you know what? We're not just waiting for that. We're going to bring the Christian hope present now. 
the people who saw Jesus and heard Jesus and experienced his words and works said in this man's words and in this man's works we have seen words and works indistinguishable from the words and works of God and he was not just performing a play for us it wasn't some tableau that we were watching he gave us tools that we could use so that we too could do this and the promise certainly in John's gospel is that we will do even greater works than he. So I would guess it's important to be a saint and important maybe to labor to be a saint. This does not mean that you need to cultivate a particular or abstruse theological vocabulary. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will anyway. You know him. I probably more than many of you get told on a regular basis by some people, they seem to be in constant communication with the Lord. Right? The Lord. Who's going to second guess that? Right? But you know what? To be a great saint of God, to be somebody who has an influence in shifting things off dead center, to make some pro spiritual progress in the culture, what you need to be able to do is to have someday somebody come to you, even if it's once in your life, and say, how do I get what you have? I've noticed you and I've watched you and I've seen some things about you and the way, the way you cope the practical wisdom you have, how you've responded to adversity and difficulty in your life, how you've also borne with humility and grace all of the good things that have happened to you, your prosperity. And I want to know how you have been able to do that. And when you learn that, you have moved on the road to sanctity, on the process of sanctification. So how would you know you hear me say this to you all the time. How would you know whether you're making any progress? Whether you're moving in a direction towards sanctity that might mean anything? How can you check? Well, it's a wonderful thing on All Saints. It's one of the four times a year that we do it that we baptize people. Because baptism is one of the locations for the process of, sac of sanctity in sacramental terms in our great tradition with a capital T. So one of the places you can look to check whether or not you are on the road to sanctity is to read the baptismal covenant in the prayer book. Will you seek and serve Christ and others, loving your neighbor as yourself, for example? And it is something you can do on a regular basis. You know? There's another way you can do this. If you wake up and you say, gee, I wonder if I'm making any progress at all. Do you find that it's become a little easier for you to be joyful, to be kind, to be gentle, to be peaceable, to exercise some species of self-control over your habits and ways of being and relating? If you believe that you have been able to do that, even if sometimes it's like, you know, one step forward and three steps back, it's kind of an uneven deal, you'll discover, the spiritual life, you will have made spiritual progress. Those things 
that I have just spoken to you are called the fruits of the Spirit, and you receive them through your baptism. And the presence of the Spirit is in everyone here. God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen you. So you now have the power to express those qualities in the world. And that's a way that you can check to see whether you're on the road to sanctification or not. I mentioned to you last week my teacher, Urban Holmes, in, a, in the Episcopal Church in Anglicanism as a, a, a Christian outlook, a way of living. There are two things that have governed the way we understand our spiritual, emotional, and mental states. Two spiritual threads. Uh, they are both influenced by the, the, the Protestant Reformation and the great historic Catholic tradition that we're part of as well. The first one is pietism. It's believing that you have to feel converted in order for there to be any spiritual progress. You know, in, in American homegrown religion, sometimes we call it being born again. Feeling like you have somehow the presence and the power of God. The Catholic tradition says, you know what, that's not unimportant, but what's more important is that you need to be engaged in a process of cooperating with the divine initiative and that spirit within you, God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen you. So there are five things you can do. You can begin to purge your habits of being and relating of the things that keep you from being centered in God. You can learn to be less distracted in your life. You can become a student of the deep things of Christian faith and belief and a student of anything you need to be a student of in order to learn how to be effective and to pursue excellence in your career, in your relationships, in your hobbies, in anything it is that you do. You need to be disciplined, and that's the cultivation of the interior self-regulation to rise to the challenges and the opportunities that you face on a daily basis in big and small ways, so that means learning to get up and brush your teeth. That's part of it. It's called the duties of state. And finally, patience, to know that if you feel you've made some progress in these areas, you're now not looking at your watch and saying, how come I don't really feel that different? Because this is going to happen in God's own time, not yours. And so that's the affirmation that we make about spiritual progress. So this week, give thanks for the opportunity to be a great saint. You know, at St. Luke's, over the past year or 18 months, we have had a number of faithful and good members of this parish die and go to God. And for a pastor, that is a very tough thing. It really wears you down. The fact of the matter is that it also is an opportunity to sharpen uh, for each of us the practical wisdom we've learned for those who have from those who have died and gone to God. It's taught us a little something about the fact that G.K. Chesterton, the great writer on, on the spiritual life in the early part of the 20th century, said, the communion of saints means giving votes to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. The communion of saints refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking around.
So I hope you and I have learned something from these people and understand the communion of saints and its power for the life of the church and for the life of the world. So give thanks for that and give thanks for the opportunity to become a saint. Amen.